I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Adverse events from drugs cost the U.S. healthcare system an estimated $25 billion in 2013, but data from adverse events reporting is generally not factored into payer and provider decisions about what drugs are most cost-effective. The healthcare analytics firm Adverse Events is trying to change that by turning adverse events data gathered by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration into actionable information. We spoke to Brian Overstreet, CEO of Adverse Events, about its RX cost offering, why payers and providers rely on mostly pre-approval clinical data in their drug decision-making, and why it's important to consider the broader cost associated with a drug. Brian, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. If you talk to payers and providers, the types of questions they care about, the questions about how drugs are used, their their effects and side effects, aren't well answered in clinical trials. They, they want real-world data, but you say most formulary decisions today are made with limited information based on pre-approval data. Can you explain how these decisions are made and, and why there's this data gap, as it were? What's What's wrong with relying on pre-approval data? Sure. Yeah, and and that's the information gap that we identified early on when we started Adverse Events was that a lot of the decision-making, whether it was at the formulary level, the uh, patient level, or anywhere in between, was really based on sort of an outdated notion of of clinical trial data. And I'm not trying to berate clinical trials. They obviously have a a very important place in in the process for drug approval and understanding efficacy. But the fact of the matter is that the true safety profile of any particular medicine doesn't really become widely known until it's being used on the market. And the reason for that is fairly simple. When you have a clinical trial, even a late stage one, the number of people who are participating in the trial is usually still quite limited to maybe two or 3,000 folks. They're chosen for having the same characteristics. So it's a very homogeneous population that we're testing against. And we're usually just testing for a a select safety outcome uh, look. When a drug actually makes it to market then, it's being used by all sorts of people, sometimes for all sorts of reasons. And that's why there's a big increase in the number of adverse events that are recognized and the, and the frequency of those adverse events. And so what we identified early on was, was a need to try to put some data around that step, is to be able to say, okay, if you're making a formulary decision here, not just to put it on the formulary, but to keep it on the formulary and where to keep it within the formulary, that's where you need to start looking at this post-marketed data and looking at it from the standpoint of not just the safety, but the incidence rates of safety and the cost effect of that safety. And that's what we're trying to provide here. There's also a problem you you note with the flow of information, how data from clinical trial programs reach or, or don't reach healthcare practitioners. Can you explain? 
Sure. So, you know, if you talk to a healthcare practitioner today, the, the, one of the first things they're going to tell you is just how little time they have to do almost anything. And one of the, the, the lowest things on the rung of their ladder, unfortunately, is their ability to actually dig in and study some of the clinical, clinical trial data. So what they're really dependent on then is FDA label changes. And there's a big time lag between when data comes out, whether it's clinical or whether it's from post-marketed surveillance, until when the FDA actually makes a labeling change. And that gap of time is a big danger zone for patients. And what we're trying to do is, is lessen that gap, is to, to be able to take the post-marketed data, get it into a format that providers can, can understand, and also quickly absorb so they really understand what the implications are in the short run. The issues you're addressing with your, your data analytics system, Rx Cost, is using the post-market data to get at a better understanding of the true cost associated with the drug, not just the right. cost at the pharmaceutical counter, but the cost of adverse events. Why is it important yep. to consider the cost of adverse events, and how dramatically does this change the world for payers and practitioners when it comes to making choices about which drug should be used or not? Well, we think it changes things quite dramatically for them. You know, when the formulary group meets, the P&T committee meets to, to decide where and how to place a drug on the formulary, they're traditionally looking at the efficacy data, which they should be, and they're looking at the economics. They're looking at what the pill costs relative to its peers. But what's missing in that is is the adverse event costs. And there are real-world costs over a period of time once a drug is being prescribed. And if you start to see trends where a particular medication is causing admissions or readmissions from adverse events, that's going to greatly increase the overall cost of care attributable to that medicine. And what's been lacking is some hardcore numbers around what that what those uh, drug side effect economics are. And that's what Rx Cost is designed to do. It's designed to say on a per-drug, per-prescription basis, this is how much additional cost is going to be attributed to putting this drug up against some of its comparators. And the way that we're able to manage those data is by class, it's by indication, it's by mechanism of action. So any way that the formulary groups want to be able to to peer into this world and better understand what that total cost of care is, we're able to provide that for them now. And so I think it's going to have a real material impact in some of the decision making. You know, we've seen some some evolution over the last 12 months in in um, the economic discussions around formulary decisions, you know, notably with hep C medications, but that's clearly going to continue uh, with, you know, the new cholesterol drugs, with, with some of the other things coming to market. And so we see the natural extension of those discussions coming around to this notion of post-marketed safety and what that back-end cost is and how do we mitigate or avoid that as much as possible. The FDA's Adverse Events Reporting System, or, or FAERS, collects post-market adverse events of approved drugs. Can you explain what this database is, how it works, how often it's updated? Sure. So, yeah, the FAERS data set's been around for over 20 years. That The FDA has been maintaining it and uh, collecting reports from uh, healthcare providers, from patients, from the pharmaceutical companies themselves for about that long. Uh, we started getting ourselves involved with that data set about five years ago when we realized that there, first of all, was data out there for uh, these post-marketed drug side effects, but also that it was data that was quite dirty and it was quite poorly maintained. So we saw the opportunity in being able, as data people, to come in, 
restructure and rebuild the database from the, the ground up so that you could start running proper data analytics on these data, whether it's for signaling, whether it's for scoring, and now for costing. And it's provided a, a huge opportunity. But I think it's important to note that that FAIRS, the, the FDA's Adverse Event Reporting System, is really the only mechanism out there for post-marketed surveillance. You know, the FDA has been working on a number of new, uh, uh, you know, and quote-unquote improved methodologies for surveillance, but they're, they really haven't gotten them to the point where um, they're reliable yet. And so we have FAIRS where we're seeing, a, you know, a million and a half reports a year coming in from all these different reporting segments that allow us to get a view into what's happening in the real world. Now, it's not without its problems, and one of those problems is, as you mentioned, the frequency uh, of reporting. And the way that FAIRS works is it's a quarterly uh, data load that they release publicly, but it's on a delay. So the most recent data from that quarterly data load is about six months old at any given point. And that, that's a real problem if you want to get a, a, a more immediate, impactful view. And that's why one of the things that we do here is every month we file Freedom of Information Act requests so that we get the most up-to-date data on the drugs that matter most to our clients. And we're able to load that in uh, in addition to the quarterly load so that we're getting new data every single month every single month and seeing how, as new drugs come to market, the safety profiles change. And are there other limitations of that data that, that you're addressing? There are. So, you know, the, there's a couple of standard limitations that people cite about fares, um, and it involves the issues of um, things like underreporting. It involves the issue of differential reporting, reporting that may be influenced by outside factors. And these are all things that we looked at very early on in our processes. And we found that a lot of the concerns that have been raised about fares were based on academic studies that took place really when fares was just getting off the ground. And so the reporting rates were a lot fewer. The, um, the differential rates were, were all over the place. And as fares has modernized, and as FAERS has increased in volume, a lot of those things have ceased to really be an issue. We've published a number of studies in peer-reviewed journals that have sort of debunked a lot of what we call the myths around FAERS and how it may or may not be utilized. And the fact remains that with so much data now coming into the system, and again, is only the really uh, proven source of post-market surveillance, it's not only the best we got, it's, it's all we got. In scientific studies, there's often a question of correlation versus causation. Do we know sure. when an adverse event is actually caused by a drug, particularly when you're dealing with a seriously ill patient? Yeah, that's the number one issue that we're constantly battling, as is the FDA. And, and they recently announced new measures within FAERS to, to better uh, correlate causation between the drug and adverse event. On our end, when we get the data, there's there's a few things that we do that we think um, highlights the cases that have the best causality within them. You know, we, we focus our attention on the cases where a drug has been identified as either the only drug being taken by the patient or the primary suspect drug being taken by the patient. And then beyond that, we're always heavily weighting our analysis around the reports that come from healthcare providers, those who are on the front lines treating the patient and really have an insight into what's going on with them. And between those two metrics, I think we, we get causality there to the level that's uh, more than just acceptable. Payers are keen to get answers to questions of comparative effectiveness and, and taking adverse events into account. 
helps it getting to a deeper understanding. But does this give any insight into patient outcomes? Are you able to determine whether one drug is more effective than another? We, we don't really focus much on the effectiveness side of things, but what we are able to do is focus on the outcomes. So in our data, we can track drug to adverse event to outcome. And so we're able to track down to the level of, of admissions, to deaths, disabilities, and other sorts of serious outcomes. And an element of our costing model is based on those outcomes numbers. So it all flows from one to the other in a very interesting way. I don't imagine fares includes cost data relating to an adverse event. Am I wrong about that? And and how do no, you calculate that? No, no, that's 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 certainly a little bit of a value add that we've put on, and and it took us quite some time to get the uh, the model right. And, and there's a few different components that go into it. So we have our our fares data that goes through our our process for cleaning it up and optimizing it as our top-line data. We then build in and map all of those things to the ARC data that shows what an actual hospitalization cost is from different types of serious adverse events. And then we model in uh, script data that we get so that we can actually show this data, these, these results, these RX cost results on a per script basis. So it's a, it's a very um, intensive analytic process that we've had to build up over the last year uh, and, and really the culmination of a lot of the work that we've done here at Adverse Events. But, but that's one of the reasons we're so excited to get it off the ground and launch to the marketplace. One of the effects of, of looking at this data is that drugs that are on their face are cheaper than a competitor's for a certain malady can become more expensive when the cost of adverse events are taken into account. Are, are there some examples of this? Sure. There's a number of examples that we're seeing in this, and, and, and I'll be you know frank in telling you that we're just at early stages of really understanding the scope of these results ourselves, and, and we're going through a number of studies to really identify the uh, the areas where we think that that, that it's um, you know most severe, but you know when we look at um, areas like the the, uh, the diabetes medications, we can see some fairly big swings between drugs that are deemed to be quote unquote cheaper, at least you know are cheaper on a purchase price, but in fact when you when you factor in the back end costs from the adverse events become much more expensive. Um, you know, areas like wet AMD, um, we have examples of, you know, uh, Berlanta versus Effiant. There's any number of examples of this that uh, people can really dig into. And I think it's just, um, even beyond that, having these data for all of these drugs, and we have this coverage level now for about 700 drugs, just sort of redefines the scope of formulary review and understanding of total costs. Now you just launched RX Data as part of your broader analytics platform. How do you expect it to shape decisions in the clinic among payers and, and even drug makers? Well, that's that's the open-ended question. You know, what we're trying to do is build a comprehensive platform that includes data analysis and insight. And, you know, the data is one thing, and, and in a world of big data, more and more data, you know, doesn't necessarily get you where you need to, to go in terms of decision-making. Decision-making then becomes, how do we take these data and convert it into actionable intelligence? And, and so having the ability to layer on analytic tools like the new RX cost, like our scoring system, like our signaling system, are all elements that allow for better decision-making uh, from the clinic all the way up to the pharmacy department, all the way up into the P&T committee. And so it's the, the, the culmination of factors there and having it on a single platform, I think, where the, uh, the, the real value is derived. Brian Overstreet, CEO of Adverse Events. Brian, thanks so much for taking the time to talk. Thank you so much for having me.
Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.